G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss now for over a year. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what that journey has been like. I also wanted to give you some information about intermittent fasting, talk to people that are doing it, and bring in some experts in the field, including some leading authors of some great books about the subject. Talk about the highs, the lows, the triumphs, the celebrations, the negatives, the positives, and everything in between. Nothing is a silver bullet, as they say, but intermittent fasting is about the closest thing that you can get to a perfect health plan with a side effect of weight loss. So sit back in the next few weeks and enjoy life on the fasting highway with us. Thank you. G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast and this is episode 34. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Kim Rains and Kim is 61 years old and she's from Renton, Washington, which is just outside of Seattle in the United States. And Kim works as a nurse and she's had 40 years experience at the same hospital and her current role is clinical coordinator for their joint replacement program. And two of Kim's favorite things that she found that intermittent fasting has enabled her to do is to be able to attend some wine dinners with her husband. They both have a love for fine wine and dining and also visiting local wineries and having dinners that are paired with wine. And the second thing that she's found is great is the absolute energy to keep up with her grandchildren who are six, five, three and one and have another one on the way. And here to tell us all about her remarkable weight loss journey with intermittent fasting is Kim Rains. Oh, g'day, Kim, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I've um, been really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So, Kim, what we might do for the listeners out there is just start off with a bit of your backstory and what led you up to actually finding intermittent fasting and how you actually found out about it. Okay. Um, so I pretty much have been overweight pretty much all my life. Um, even, um, I think the last time I remembered not being overweight was pretty much like kindergarten. Um, that's like before first grade here in America. Um, and at the summer after kindergarten, I had my tonsils out cause I was kind of always a kid that had a lot of colds and sick and sore throats and stuff. And then it seemed like once I had my tonsils out, I was fairly healthy and I seemed to just gain weight easily. Now, I wasn't super overweight, but I could never fit into regular kids' clothes. Um, I don't know if you guys have like, it's called Sears here in America. It's a department store. I don't know if you guys have those down in Australia. But But when I was growing up, they had a Chubby's section. And that's where my mom would get my clothes. So, um, Is that what it was called, the chubby section? Yeah, it was the the size was chubbies. That's what it was actually called. And then they also had a slim size too. So my brother was always very slender. So he got the slim jeans and I got the chubby clothes. And so I even remember one time, I think it was like sixth grade, I actually um, went down to the nurse's office to get weighed and they kind of tried to put me on some kind of a diet. And I was kind of weighing every week down in the nurse's office. Um, 
So that was kind of a little demoralizing back then. Um, but yeah, I was kind of always overweight, even in my teens. Um, so I'm just to give you a little idea, I'm about five foot three, five foot four. Um, and back say in um, high school, I weighed about probably 160 pounds. So that was quite a bit of being overweight when you're a teenager. Um, I did swim in high school on the swim team. So I think that kind of helped me from gaining much more weight. Um, and then after high school, I went to nursing school um, to, be, to be a registered nurse. And at that time, that was one of the t few times in my life, I think I kept my weight down kind of around 140 pounds just because nursing school was so busy. And basically, I was probably eating like one meal a day when I was going to nursing school. Um, so during that time, my weight um, kind of normalized around about 140. And then after I uh, got married and had kids, and then my weight kind of went back up to the 160s, 180s. Um, and my always go-to during that time to lose weight was Weight Watchers. And um, all the years of going to Weight Watchers, I never, ever did uh, meet my goal weight ever, not once. <laughs> so um, it was kind of a roller coaster during my 30s and 40s. Um, and then in my 50s, I think it was about 56, my son got me and my husband to join um, a CrossFit gym. <laughs> And so I tried to exercise my way out of a bad diet, which that didn't work very well either. <laughs> but I kept up with the um, CrossFit because it was really good exercise. Um, and I did manage a few times to get my weight down. And then the last probably three years or so, I connected with a nutritionist, a nutrition coach at the gym. And um, of course, that was your typical three meals a day with plus two snacks and I kind of would get my weight back down to um, maybe around 180. At a couple points in time in my life, I've, the highest I ever was was about, I think, 230. And then the last few years, I've kept around like 200, 215. Uh, but when I started uh, with that nutrition coach at the gym, I was about um, 220, I think. And then um, the last time I connected with her was uh, in 2018 before my son's wedding. And I wanted to lose some weight to fit into a dress. And I struggled to lose about 15 pounds um, to fit into that dress for the wedding. And I still was like 212 at that point in time. And then um, February of 2019, I was at my CrossFit gym. And I heard one of the guys over there talking about um, somebody was asking about what he was doing. He was looking really fit and he'd lost some weight. And the guy goes, oh, I fast all day. I don't eat till two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like zeroing in on this. And I'm thinking he doesn't eat until two o'clock in the afternoon. I was thinking that's crazy. And so I went home and, um, I did some research online and I came across, uh, Dr. Jason Fung's obesity code. Um, ordered that book and started reading that. And in the meantime, I also found uh, Jen's Delay Don't Deny book, got that, and then found her fasting groups. And um, that's basically how I found intermittent fasting. And I've been fasting oh, ever fantastic. since. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's so funny how the places people find out about intermittent fasting. I was just talking to a lady earlier and 
And she went in to get a hair dyed at a hair salon and she heard somebody talking about it. And she did the same thing, went home, researched yeah. it, and away she went. So when you found intermittent fasting, Kim, what did you start off with? What was your fasting protocol and how did you actually choose that? Well, I, I started out, what, I thought I would just start skipping breakfast. I just wouldn't bring breakfast with me to work. I would just eat lunch and dinner. And so I did that for a couple of weeks and it did actually. And so I was, I was one of those people that put cream and stevia in my coffee. So it took me about maybe by two weeks to slowly cut that back, get that out of there. And finally, one day I'm just like, I'm going cold turkey. I'm just drinking it black. And um, so I've been black coffee ever since. Um, so let's see, I, I started off with no breakfast and then I just kept pushing lunch a little later and later. Part of my job at work um, is I give a preoperative seminar to um, my um, orthopedic surgery patients that are going to come in for surgery. And I used to give that, that seminar would be about one o'clock in the afternoon. So I used to eat lunch right before I would do seminar. And then finally I thought, you know, I'm just going to push it till after seminar. So then I would kind of start eating my lunch around two o'clock and then dinner. And so finally, then I just kind of went to one meal a day and I would just wait till I got home and have dinner. Yeah. So your weight was around the 220 when you started IF too, Kim? About 218. I had lost some for my son's wedding, but then of course it started creeping back up, you know, so I was about yeah. 218 when I started. Okay. So just for Australian and, and New Zealand listeners, that's about... Uh, 218 is about 100, and, 100 kilos, roughly, or just under. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, somewhere around there. So, Kim, what was your window looking like food-wise? Were you eating all the things, or did you restrict anything in the beginning? In the beginning, I really didn't. I was just – I was eating all the things that I normally ate. In fact, when I really knew that intermittent fasting was going to work for me, I started in February and late March – um, I went to Las Vegas for an orthopedic conference and it was actually a doctor's conference. So the doctors were there and we'd go out to dinners and have drinks. So what I do is I go to the conference all day. I might have a protein bar about two o'clock and then I would go out to the dinner, have whatever I wanted for dinner, have a drink or two. And then that was like, I think the conference was like four or five days. And when I got home from the conference and I weighed, I'd actually lost a couple of pounds. So I like, this is for me. This is going to work. <laughs> yeah, that's a similar thing happened to me. I, I actually organized conferences. That's part of my job. And um, I did the same. But usually at conferences, you walk around a lot too, don't you? Well, that's... Because you're usually in a big auditorium. That's true. I had my, my, my iPhone with me and it would be in my pocket or whatever. And one day, I think I did like, 15,000 steps or something. So, you know, we did do a yeah. lot of walking too. So, um, but yeah, I pretty much kind of kept it just to a dinner or maybe a, a late a early or a late afternoon snack and then dinner when I was down there. So. Yeah, I think that's a good way to handle that. So you touched on the clean fast there where you switched over and it only took you a couple of weeks to do that. Just for people out there, Kim, I know you're, you're quite experienced now. Can you just tell us why the clean fast is so important? Because the clean fast is important um, just because 
Well, clean fast is means you either have coffee, uh, plain black tea, plain green tea, or water, or you can have the sparkling waters that are not flavored because they have actually found that if you um, drink anything that's flavored or has even a small amount of calories like cream, that actually kind of wakes up your stomach and kind of well, can get your body going to think that you're going to have some food. And so actually, if you have any flavors or any cream or even a small amount of calories, that breaks the fast. And then um, your, your fasting just stops. <laughs> you might as well eat then. So um, yeah, I make sense. So did you tweak much with your fasting and did you encounter what we call weight loss stalls at all, Kim? I did. So um, a couple of times um, I tweaked. I found that I kind of switched to a late afternoon one meal a day versus dinner because I did stall kind of like partway through, like I think in September, like of 2019, I kind of stalled a bit. So I switched to have like a late afternoon meal for my one meal a day versus having it in the evening. My husband works a shift work. So he usually works evening shift um, Monday through Thursday. So it's really easy for me not to have dinner in the evening. And then I would just kind of for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I would just move my one meal a day to more like five o'clock in the afternoon when he was home. And that really um, kind of started to break up things and um, get me losing, a weight, losing weight again. And then um, in March of this year, of course, um, we kind of went into lockdown here in Washington um, with the pandemic. And that was kind of really a stressful time because we really didn't know a lot about the virus and what was gonna happen um, at my job at the hospital. We were kind of all waiting for the surge that kind of really didn't happen. So um, from March, April, June, it was really, really stressful. Um, also during that time, my husband is also a police officer. And so we also had a lot of unrest in Seattle. So that added to my stress. So during that time, I really didn't lose any weight. I was doing my one meal a day. Um, and I was just kind of bouncing up and down between like 184, 186, back and forth. Um, then in July, um, we started doing surgeries again um, at my hospital. And my mom actually needed a knee replacement. So in August, she had, no, July, she had her knee replaced. And she stayed at my house for a couple of weeks. So I took care of her while she recovered from that before we could get her back home. And then in August, we found out my dog, who's uh, was a, she's a two-year-old golden retriever. Um, she had a massive tumor in her chest. And so we had to put her down. Mm -hmm. And so she was my kind of my rock during the pandemic. Since the gym had closed, um, I was going for walks every day with her to get outside and to kind of get a little bit of exercise in. So that was really hard on me. Um, and then also at the end of August, my gym had reopened in July and then she just couldn't make it. So my gym ended up closing permanently <laughs> at the end of August. No, so it's not good. no so it, um so 
sorry to hear about your yeah, dog. Yeah, that, that was really a hard one for me. So, so September come along and I was still just like around 186, 184, depending on the day. And I thought, you know, I really have to make some major changes here. I have to do some tweaks. Um, so I kind of sat down and I decided I'm going to do um, the ADF with the 500 calorie meal on the down days. I'm going to try to kind of go lower fat, add more met veggies, try to do some uh, maybe a little less meat, do some meatless days. And um, lo and behold, things started moving. Um, since September, I'm down to 175 now. So I've lost about another 10 pounds. So um, okay. I also bought... So you lost about 45 pounds? Yep, yep exactly. Um, and also... So we're looking at about 20 kilos. Yeah. So I also, since my gym was closed, part of my plan was I bought a Nordic track rower. So I'm incorporating some rowing workouts and some lifting weights at home here. Um, we happen to have some weights and some stuff. So I try to put in at least 20 minutes about four to five times a week, um, either on the rower or lifting weights. Yeah, that's quite some difference, Kim, considering you're five foot three. 40 pounds is a lot of weight. It is a lot of weight. And I'm actually, I started at a, I don't know what your clothes sizes for women are there, but I started at a size 16 here and I'm down to a size 10. And I was noticing my jeans today are starting to get a little loose on me. So uh, I'm going to try to squeak a little more time out of them before I buy some new ones. Yeah, that's, yeah, not my department. <laughs> that's a few doors down the woman's uh, clothing, but uh yeah, I sort of know what you mean, and I've seen your pictures. Your your transformation is quite stunning, and and you, you said in your bio you were sixty one. Yes, I'm sixty one. I turned sixty one this last July. Yeah, well, you certainly don't say I'm sixty one. That's for sure. You you don't look sixty one. No, I have some good genes. My mom is eighty four, and she looks pretty good. Nobody thinks she's eighty four, so. Yeah. So just for the extended fasting, just for our listeners um, that may not know about right. ADF, uh, Kim, can you just briefly run through what that is and uh, what you actually do? So what ADF is, is called alternate day fasting. And there's a couple um, different ways you can do it. Some people, so alternate day fasting means where you fast all days till the next day and then you usually eat two meals the next day. So say if I started on a Monday my last meal would be, say, Sunday, late evening or early evening on Sunday. And then if you do the true alternate day fasting, then you don't eat and you don't break your fast until Tuesday. So you don't eat it all Monday. Now, some people will just do, um, do their full day fast on Monday and maybe Wednesday. Some people do their all day fast maybe Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, but if you do two, true alternate day fasting, you you fast, you do a full fast every other day, which is called your down day. Now, what I do on my down days, and there's a lot of research that shows um, that if you do like a 500 calorie meal on your down day, that really helps to kind of rev your metabolism um, to help you lose if you're to help you lose a little bit more weight. Now, people that want more benefits from autophagy, those people then want to do those full fasts 
on those days, on their down days. They want to do full fasts until the next day. And then on your up day, you need to really make sure um, that you eat two good meals in anywhere from a six to an eight hour window. Yep, that's a great explanation. And just touch on also, I always say to people, if you're going to do these um, long fasts, you must do them for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. Because you know yourself, Kim, you often see people beating themselves up after the yep. weekend and they'll say, oh, you know, I'm going to do a 50-hour fast now because I, I ate some burgers or something on the weekend and my weight's up, you know, five pounds or whatever. So what do you say to those people that are doing it for that reason, for punishment? You know, more fasting is not always better. Um, it, it's just it, – it can actually slow down your metabolism if you do too much fasting. So um, try to keep it – keep your fasting hours kind of in check. Don't do too much fasting because you can wreck your metabolism if you do too much fasting. It's just like if you were on. It's yeah, just so, like if you're on a really restrictive, low-calorie diet, that would wreck your metabolism as well. Yeah, so it's really important on those up days to make sure you have enough food to get into your body, so your body recognizes that it's not going into starvation mode, and you're actually nutrition and that sort of thing comes yes, into correct. play. Correct. That's great. So, Tim, we'll move now and talk about a bit about what we call the non-scale victories and the health benefits that come with intermittent fasting. Can you just run us through what came for you oh, in that sure. department? So um, during that time when I wasn't losing any weight, things were happening that I didn't know. Um, prior, um, I think in October of 2019, I had my, um, we call it here in the U.S., an A1C that measures your blood sugar over a three-month period of time. And I'm not sure what you guys call that down there, if that's an A1C or not as well. Um, but my A1C went from 5.8, which is pre-diabetic, and I had been running like that for the last couple of years. Um, it went down to 5.5, which is non-diabetic now. So that was really good. Um, we also um, do some things here. We measure your fasting insulin. And my fasting insulin, um, back when I had the 5.8 A1C, my fasting is, insulin was like 15, which is still kind of in the normal range, but it's high normal. And then when I had it rechecked, um, it was actually down to five, which is good. And there, yeah, yeah, there is some studies out there I was reading that actually before people's A1Cs start to rise, they're actually, their fasting insulins are, are running high, which kind of makes a lot of sense because you're pushing out all that insulin. And then finally, it takes a while for that A1C to catch up to show that you're kind of maybe pre-diabetic or in that diabetic range. Yeah. What about things like, I wanted to ask you, you'd know this being a nurse, when people go for like cholesterol tests and things like that, and they've been fasting. Does that make much of a difference to your cholesterol it numbers? It does. Or they not? say you shouldn't be more than 12 hours fasted um, when you go to have your blood drawn in the morning. Um, and then also there is some studies out there also that show that maybe you should 
maybe um, don't do any long fasts the day before. Maybe like do, maybe have a couple of days with eight hour windows before you get your blood drawn. And because the if you're fasting too much before uh, you get uh, your cholesterol checked, then it can show um, more elevated levels than um, than what they would normally be. Yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking that there would right. be the case. And you just confirmed this, that. Yeah, so this last that. time I I had my, we call it a lipid panel here, um, checked. Mine are always kind of high because they think I have, it's kind of a hereditary thing. Um, but they were, everything was down about 30 points from what it had been the year before. So it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's great. You mentioned in your bio too about you're doing a uh, study with a continuous glucose monitor. Oh, Can you sure. just tell us yeah. about that? Um, so there's a company called Nutrisense where um, normally if you're do you normally to get a continuous glucose monitor, you need a doctor's prescription. But through this company, they have doctors, so they're able to prescribe it for you. They have actually um, a program where you can do a two-week trial. They'll send you the glucose monitor. And <laughs> you have to, um, since I'm a nurse, I'm used to poking people. <laughs> so actually, when you put the monitor on, you have to kind of put it in this little gadget that has a needle in it. And you put it against the back of your arm, and you push it, and it pokes the monitor into your skin, but the needle doesn't stay in. There's just a little filament that stays in there. And what that filament does, it doesn't actually measure the blood glucose in your blood. It, it measures your interstitial fluid, blood sugar. So you get a little bit of a 15 minute delay. If you would poke your finger at the same time and get that blood sugar, you would have to wait 15 minutes to check the monitor. And what it does is there's an app on your phone that is um, like there's a sensor in it that can read the monitor. So what you do is you just swipe your phone by the um, in front of the monitor that's on, on your skin and it'll give you a readout of what your blood sugars are for the last if you haven't done it for like an hour, it will give you um, the last 15 minutes, every 15 minutes for the last hour of what your blood sugar was. And actually it'll give you for a 24 hour period of time, it will give you your blood sugar like every 15 to 20 minutes for the last 24 hours. So that when you eat a meal, you can really see what that meal does to your blood sugar. Yes, I could. Can you work out which foods may not be oh, working yes, for you, you with that? So um, I found um, never break my meals or never break my fast with anything really carby because that'll just shoot it right up there. Um, it would. So when I'm fasting, my blood sugars run about in the 80s. And if I opened with something that was just carbs with no fat or protein it could shoot it up to 130 real easily. Now, something that works really well for me to open my window with would be, um, we have here in the US this, there's a brand of a low fat, low sugar yogurt, um, Greek yogurt, if I have that with some berries, 
it barely makes a bump. I'll go like from 80 to maybe 100. Also, um, working with that CGM, I found that if I did have something carb, if I added enough protein with it, then it would even it out. I wouldn't get the high spikes. Um, what about alcohol? Well, I, actually, alcohol is a little funny. It works the opposite. It, if you have some alcohol with your meal, it actually um, doesn't really shoot it up that high, at least for me. I just see it now. Everybody know, just drinking meal, alcohol right. for the window. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. With the way your think... liver processes the alcohol, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't seem to go as high with with meals that I would have alcohol with. But you know, if... yeah, it was interesting. I'm um, talking to Jen Stevens. I think she said she was participating in something similar. I think it was right. out I of think the it was UK, the maybe. Two study where they, yeah, they sent her the CGM and yeah. they they had some certain things she had to eat the first couple of days, and then after that, I think she could eat whatever she wanted. But it's very interesting. It's very. Um, I mean, everybody should really have one of these because, I mean, what works for me not might not work for you. And it's very, it's so much immediate feedback. So if I eat a big pasta dinner, an hour later, I'm going to see my blood sugar up at 150. I'm like, well, I'm not doing that again, you know, or eat maybe half of what I ate of the pasta meal and maybe to make sure to add some more protein in. Um, it's just a lot easier way to manage the food you eat if you know how you're going to react to it with your blood sugar. Just in, in case I missed it and I've got to get my head around this, do you test yourself before you eat and then after? Or, or so the monitor is constantly checking your blood sugar every 15 minutes. So when you swipe it with your phone, your phone will give you the readout for however long it's been since the last time you checked it with your phone. So the company, so the company says gotcha. you should so, check yeah. at least three times a day because it will hold eight hours worth of information. So if you swipe it when you get up in the Is morning, it, you swipe it eight hours later and you swipe it before you go to bed, it will give you 24 hours of information. Is it uncomfortable wearing the um, thing that shoots the information um, to your really. phone? Not really. They give you a Band-Aid to put over it. A waterproof band-aid and I wore it for 14 days took showers every day towards the last couple of days the band-aid really kind of started to peel off um it wasn't really uncomfortable and I, I slept on that side and it didn't seem to bother me um I didn't really bump it on anything because it's kind of on the underneath soft kind of on the back of your arm um it, every once I mean there was times I knew it was there but then there was other times I totally forgot about it. That Now, pe people that are diabetic yeah. um, wear, can wear these things all the time. And what they do is they just switch from one arm to the other arm on the other two weeks. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know if you heard of or know of Sarah Cull, 
Um, Sarah is a nurse um, in New Zealand, and she was on this podcast in episode 12, and she works in a medical clinic in Auckland where they treat diabetes to patients um, where the frontline uh, treatment is intermittent fasting. And so they've had massive success with the patients they've been treating there. And the clinic has a policy of not sending people for weight loss surgery until they try intermittent fasting. And I think it's so great. Are there many sort of doctors and that type of thing in your local area getting on board with um, intermittent well, fasting? Actually, um, last year, well, actually it was 2018, I put on an orthopedic conference every year. And I actually, after I start, well, actually, no, it was 2019 because I had been fasting. So in October of 2019, I actually did find, we call um, here, she's a nurse practitioner. So she can actually, she's kind of like a doctor. She can write prescriptions and stuff, but she's still a nurse. Um, she actually had went to Canada and worked uh, with Dr. Jason Fung. And so I actually had her come to my conference and talk about fasting uh, to all the nurses that came to the conference. She's pretty much about the only person in the local area that I know of um, that is familiar with the intermittent fasting. My, my own doctor isn't even that familiar <laughs> with it. Yeah, is your hope and dream that intermittent fasting will be much more mainstream in the medical profession, especially oh, I think, I, I where hope you so. work. I wish so. I, I think it's going to be something that the doctors will prescribe to patients to do. Um, I would love to like help. You know, if a doctor oh. said, "Hey, can you like coach some people on fasting?" I would like love to do that. I mean, I, it would be something that it would be really easy to talk to people about and tell them about. Yeah, wouldn't it? And that's the correct terminology, practitioner. Um, Sarah oh, Cull yes. is a nurse practitioner down there in New Zealand. And she presented um, herself to a conference, actually, of doctors in the South Island of New Zealand. And since then, um, these doctors have gone away and they've started telling their patients about intermittent fasting. And in fact, I had a New Zealand lady on the podcast a couple of days ago and um, she said that her doctor um, was at that conference and took that information. So it just shows you how that spreads through. I know, through. that's really great. I, 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 I hope it starts spreading more. And I think it is. Yeah. So where you live, Kim, there, um, what's the obesity rates around uh, like where you are? Do you, uh, is it quite noticeable? Well, up here in the Northwest, or? think people are fairly health conscious and try to get out and exercise. I know we do have an obesity problem. Um, I'm, I couldn't tell you what the obesity rate is. Um, but actually, part of my patient population, some of the reasons patients come in to have their knees or hips replaced is um, because they're kind of overweight and they've kind of worn out their joints. Um, and sometimes the doctors actually want them to lose weight before they do their, um, joint replacement surgery as well. So, um, it would be really great if they could recommend intermittent fasting to them. 
It must be it's so very tempting, tempting sometimes, but I just have to kind of keep quiet. <laughs> so losing that amount of weight, Kim, on your frame, obviously your colleagues and fellow nurses and that uh, have been noticing that, or, or you may have been working from home, I don't know, but um, are there many of your colleagues that Actually, have followed your example? Actually, I have example? a great story. So when I first started this, um, I had maybe only lost like 10 pounds and my boss, who's, she's a little shorter than me and very fit looking. She's like, are you losing weight? I said, yeah, I am. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I looked at her and I said, well, there's this thing called intermittent fasting. And she's like, oh, a friend of mine did that. <laughs> I said, really? She goes, yeah. And so I talked to her about it and, um, she doesn't really need to lose weight, but she started doing it just for the energy fact of it. Um, she likes to, when she comes to work in the morning, she doesn't want to eat breakfast because she has all this energy and she can get through all her morning meetings and uh, kind of like get everything done. And so then she doesn't eat till the afternoon. And so, she, and then she also, um, commented on after doing it for a few weeks she goes you know what I really find that I find my inflammation is uh considerably decreased I said that's one of the main um non-scale victories from uh intermittent fasting is that people feel like their inflammation goes down yeah that's fantastic and getting to talk to so many people now on this podcast Kim, it just blows my mind the health benefits that come through and the, the different ones as well. And I actually spoke to a guy the other day. He was in a bad car accident and um, he busted his leg and he got some very bad mm -hmm. scarring up around his collarbone area. And he, he was telling me that these scars almost disappeared off yeah. his body since he's been it, it It really is amazing. Um, I actually have a knee for the last 10 years has kind of been always stiff on me. And I was just thinking the other day, the last month or so, since I've kind of lost this last extra 10 pounds, I'm like, it hasn't been stiff. And I'm like, I'm doing rowing and I'm doing exercising. I'm doing the same stuff mostly I did before. And so I'm like, hmm, maybe it's better now. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So I'm similar, like I had um, arthritic fingers and I'd wake up in the morning and I, I couldn't really, first thing, mm -hmm. I couldn't really open my hands straight out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like my finger, fingers were very stiff. And then probably after about six months of fasting, I just noticed yeah. that that had it's completely gone. It's amazing for arthritis and just, just having the less weight on your bones. I know one of my orthopedic doctors say for every... What is it? For every pound you're overweight, it's an extra six pounds on your knees. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So obviously the science is quite important to you, um, Kim. Is it something you continually delve into? The yeah, science I always like fast? reading the studies. Um, you know, Jin's group, she's always posting new studies and, and listening to the studies about intermittent fasting. That's like, I like the one study where they talk about uh, with the ADF doing the 500 calorie meals on your down day. 
Um, that study showed that it really helped to keep your metabolism up. And so that was, that was one of my reasons why I decided to go um, that way uh, with the ADF and the 500 calorie meals, basically from that study. I don't, don't I'd have to look, I'd have to go back to okay. one of her podcasts where they talk about it and look it up. Oh, that's okay. Maybe okay. you can send it through to me and we'll put it in the show notes. That'd be great. And so, Kim, we'll talk about the, the mental part of intermittent fasting and we talk a lot about mindset. How did mindset play a part well, for you? I have been on a lot of diets in my life, so it did take me a while um, to get over that diet mentality, uh, thinking that I couldn't eat that because it um, was a bad food or I should eat this because it was a diet food. What I've really found that has really helped me is I've just really made this my lifestyle. It's like I get up in the morning, I have my coffee. Um, I usually try to, I do better if I have a plan of what I'm going to eat. If it's my 500 calorie down day meal, then I, I really need to have a plan on what I'm going to eat versus just kind of, if, if, if I leave it to, um, leave it to just whatever, then I don't, then I tend not to eat very well. Um, so if I can at least plan that this is what I'm going to have for my 500 calorie meal. And then I try to make sure I know what I'm going to have on my two meals for my up day. Um, it just makes it a lot easier on me. And, and technically what I do is on my down day, I really don't eat until I feel hungry. And that can be like, not till one in the afternoon on my down day. Now on my up day, I try to eat a little bit sooner, like by noon, because I like to really finish eating um, by five or six at the very latest on my up day. Um, since I use that seat, that continuous glucose monitor, I know that if I eat later in the evening, it kind of tends to keep my blood sugar up higher and it actually will stay up during the night while I'm sleeping. So um, I do kind of try to cut myself off between five or six on my up day. Wow, that's very interesting. That's a good revelation. It, it really was. That was one was night. I can't sure. remember off the top of my head what I ate for dinner, but my blood sugar stayed up like 120 in the 120s all night long and it didn't and I it didn't get back down to 80 till like the next day around noonish so I it just it really was enlightening to me to really make sure I close my window earlier in the evening and try to do low carb more lower carbs in the evening and if I'm going to eat my carbs I'm going to eat them more in the middle of the day Yeah, that's interesting because we hear people say that sometimes they can't sleep. And I'm wondering if it's a, that's where they might be having a window yeah. that's quite late in the evening, Kim, and they go to bed and, they, and right. they're having that effect. It could that, be. That I've just found for case? me that if we have, like if we go out to dinner or something and we eat too late in the evening, I'm in misery all night long. I don't sleep well because my stomach's full. I feel like I'm digesting all night long. And so I, I really have made it a habit to try to close my window by five or six. 
Yeah, I just wanted to touch back on what you just talked about there about our fasting lifestyle, just becoming sort of, you know, what you do every day. And I know for me, I don't even really think about it much. Like I know I eat after five o'clock during the week at some stage. And I, I have some Yomad sort of restaurant type style. I'll have a snack, then I'll have a main. And if I feel like it, I'll have something like the Greek yogurt and berries myself. And then maybe a coffee with cream and close my window. And I think mindset plays a big part in that. But when we talked about mindset, I had to learn to love myself first, Kim. And when I started thinking better about myself and actually really having those positive thoughts, it made a huge change for me. And did you find your self-confidence and everything improved Yeah, I'd have to say in the yourself? last several months, I feel really good about myself. Um, I know I still have some more weight to lose. My goal weight is probably like about 145. I, I think I tend to have a fair bit of muscle on me. So I really can't see me going lower than that. So my goal is just to get to 150 and then try to, I'll just kind of, set maintenance and see what I do if I get down to 145. But I'm not really putting a time limit on it. This February will be two years, and I know I'm not going to hit my goal, but I'm not worried about that. This is the first time in my life that um, I've never worried about gaining the weight back. Seriously. I feel comfortable in yeah. my skin right now. And I, I just... I don't worry about that weight ever coming back. No, and I think the longer, like I've been in maintenance now for nearly two years, Kim, and, you know, I'm still vigilant. And, like, I right. weigh every day because that's, again, that's just habit for me. I mean, I, it's like having a shower or, or driving to work. I, I step on the scale, mm -hmm. I look at the number, and I go, yeah, okay, and away I go. So it, it doesn't really affect me that much. But, you know, I know after the weekends because I do right. 22 and 2 during the week. And then on the weekend, I do the 16 and 8 so I can have that social aspect. And um, I always find on Monday, yeah, I might be up like, you know, two, three, sometimes four pounds. And I, and I know that's because of the extra sort of water in my body. And then I do the two twenty-two and 2 sort of fast by Wednesday generally. Right. I'm back to where I normally am. So I, I don't I do, does, do you and, wait um, for yourself? the first oh gosh, probably for the first year and a half I did Jin's way where I weighed every day and did the um weekly average. And I tell you that weekly average is what kept me going because some days I didn't think I was losing any weight, but when you look at the weekly averages week by week it was slowly going down. My weight losses, I run, I'm like a half a pound to a pound a week. So maybe some months I lose four pounds, maybe some months I lose three pounds. So it is really slow, but it's going down. And as long as I can see that downward trend, if I open up a graph on, I have an old Fitbit app that I log all my weight in. And as long as I can open up that graph and that graph is, has a downward trend to it, I'm fine. I'm like you. Like if I have a day where I ate heavier on my up day and I get on the scale, of course it's going to be up versus my down day where I only had my 500 calorie meal that next morning, it's going to be down. So 
as long as it just has a downward trend, I'm happy. And I try not to look, I try not to let the ups and downs of the scale um, affect me. Yeah, I just find I'm in tune with my body, Kim, and I know when I go to bed at night, I can almost to nearly 100% whether I'm going to be up or down on the scale of the next day, just in general, how the way I feel. And, you know, sometimes you get that puffy oh, feeling yep. sometimes if you've had like a few carbs or whatever. Yep, I can definitely tell you if I have a fair amount of carbs in that evening meal, I'm definitely going to be up a pound or two in the morning. Yeah, so maintaining wise, when you get there, have you sort of thought about that or are you just going to wait till you get there and just tweak uh, as you go? I, I thought if I could settle into a nice one meal a day when I get to maintenance, that would be great. I think that's what I would like yeah, to Yeah, that'd be good for your um, It'd be good in your line of work too. I know it's funny actually talking about nurses and doctors i've just been in the hospital i had a minor operation a couple of weeks ago and um the doctor came around and i said to him i he was asking me about you know my weight loss because he was looking at right. my records and that and i said oh yeah well i do intermittent fasting he goes oh cool he said what's your window <laughs> and um he, he does it himself <laughs> and uh and the nurse that was there she said to me Oh, yeah, I do the five and two. And she said, there's quite a few nurses here that actually um, fast as well. And here in Perth, there's a big teaching hospital and they're actually conducting a study with some of the night staff um, and they divided them up into two groups and one's going to be doing calories in, calories out and one's going to be doing intermittent oh, wow. fasting. And they're going to run that study, which will be very interesting. So when it's coming out, I'll, I'll let you okay. know. And because um, I think that'll be interesting reading, but I'd imagine like, do you work nights? No, as well, I pretty or? much work a day shift. I kind of work in the office, so my day is like seven in the morning till three or four in the afternoon. And like I said, I work an op. My husband works like a two to ten shift, two p.m. to ten p.m. So during the week, he's he's usually not home in the evening. So then it doesn't really make a difference. So that makes it easy for me to eat my meal late afternoon. And then once I get home, I can do workout or do whatever I want around the house. Um, I don't have to worry about fixing a meal for us. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of your husband, let's just talk about support networks here. Was all your family and friends on board with your intermittent fasting? Was it something you talked about much? My son says I talk about it too much. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's yeah. easy to do. Uh, no, but actually, I got my husband into it. Um, a couple years ago, he had some kind of uh, cardiac incident, but they couldn't really tell us what it was. He had a whole bunch of tests, but the cardiologist said he probably should lose about 20 pounds. And, um, so he still really hadn't lost the 20 pounds when I started my intermittent fasting. And after I was doing it for a couple months, I said, Hey, you really need to do this because you really need to get that weight off. Cause we don't really know what happened. So he does more of a, like an eight hour window. He usually eats a like late breakfast and then he kind of has a early dinner at work and he lost the 20 pounds fairly easy. And, um, He's kept it off. 
Oh, that's fantastic. He's probably going to get other placement yes. onto it as well. Now. And then also um, my daughter and her husband do it, do the intermittent fasting. And then I do have one other coworker. This is the funniest story ever. Um, so after I found out about um, Jason Fung's obesity code, I was um, having a break with my friend. And I had the book, and I gently pushed it across to her, and I said, you need, she's a nurse also. I said, you need to read this book. And she just looks at me and I said, just take it home and read it. And the next day she comes and she goes, oh my goodness, because she, she had kind of been pre-diabetic as well. And she went for diabetic teaching and they told her, you know, to eat the three meals a day and make sure you have snacks. And she goes, when I went to that nutritionist, I ended up gaining 20 pounds they were telling me all the wrong stuff, you know, and so, and so she, she does the fasting now and she actually got her A1C uh, down to within normal levels as well. So. Well, we can certainly all relate to that, Kim, for sure. But just on touching on yourself and your husband there, I'd like to thank you both for your service to your oh, community. Oh, well, thank you. And, um, superheroes don't always wear capes. No, they don't. And um, you you guys are true heroes and um yeah i know our frontline workers here and that have been incredible and we've been very fortunate in australia to keep this thing under control and we haven't really lost well we've lost some people but not as many as as what you guys have yeah i know you guys have you guys have had a done a great job down there and it's i wish i i, I i'm just afraid for us this winter here yeah, I think it was just a case of our community really pulled together. And we're a bit like that here in Australia and New Zealand. We, we consider ourselves a team. I mean, our population's obviously not as big. And um, what are you guys, 360-odd million or yeah, something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we'll see. We're 25 in Australia and five in New Zealand. Right. But I can't wait to travel again, Kim. I'm, I'm going stir crazy. Traveling is one of my passions. Tell me about it. And, and, and uh, me and my husband, Australia is on our bucket list. So we're hoping we get down. down there one day when things open back up for sure. Yeah, well, I was meant to be up in America this year, actually. In June, I was, I was supposed to go on the cruise oh, with yeah. Jim to the Bahamas. And, um, of course, that didn't happen. But anyway, we'll see what happens next year. But Kim, we're nearly out of time, but what I really love from you, and you've got so much experience and so much to offer, if you could just tell some people out there listening to this podcast, contemplating taking up IF, just some words of advice to start and some encouragement, please. First of all, start out easy, just like I did skip breakfast. You can drink black coffee. It won't hurt you, and you'll learn, you'll learn to like it, and just slowly... Close that eating window up till you get to about a four-hour eating window and just learn to kind of make it a habit and make it a lifestyle. Um, I was thinking the other day, I haven't eaten breakfast in months. I mean, granted, if we go somewhere and there's a brunch that's got good food, window-worthy food, I will have brunch that day and that's what fasting does for you. It, those occasions where you want to enjoy your food and um, want to partake, you can. And then you just go back to your regular fasting windows 
the next day. Um, it just it just is really easy once you get into a rhythm of it, I think. Yeah, that's great advice. And you can always have breakfast for dinner, as I, I do very oh, regularly. Yes. <laughs> we all love that. But, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed our chat. And thank you so much for joining me here on the Fasting Highlight. Oh, you're Highlight. welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay, you have a great day. And, and I hope everybody up there is safe and this thing blows over pretty Me too. Quick. Okay, right, take care. Too. Oh, thanks, Kim. That was a great chat. Really enjoyed it. It's so interesting, that monitor that you were talking about there. I think a lot of people will probably be looking into that because that really could tell us, you know, just what those foods are that trigger these weight gains that we so often have and we can't really identify why. So coming up next week on the podcast, we've got Bill McElroy. And Bill is a really interesting guy and he's had quite a remarkable journey and staggering amount of weight loss. He's a top bloke, Bill, and um, he's a straight shooter, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy his chat. Uh, just a reminder also that we now have the Fasting Highway webpage up and running, and that's at www.thefastinghighway.com. Uh, for Australian and New Zealanders, uh, you can actually order the Fasting Highway book direct off that website now. Uh, for everybody else, uh, your best bet is your local Amazon. It's a lot cheaper for you to go through them. And also on their website, you can get all the podcasts in one place, uh, right down to episode 34 here. You'll be able to find that. You don't need the Spotify app or anything like that. You can just go on the webpage and play it straight off there. So anyway, thanks everybody for your support with the uh, book and the podcast. It's been much appreciated. Until next week, be well, be safe. And remember, clean fasting is everlasting.